0: Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You can follow us online at cometofreedom.com. My dad loves preaching verse-by-verse studies of the Word of God, giving its full counsel. His studies pay particular attention to the practical application, contemporary examples, and incorporates the Word into our daily lives. Enjoy today's sermon from the Book of Exodus. Make sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss any future teachings. So this morning we're going to take a look at Exodus again. So if you will open your Bibles to Exodus 28. Alright, put your finger, we've got to read one verse before we actually get into Exodus. Keep your finger there in Exodus 28. Jump over to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3 for a second. We read this this morning, but we're just going to read the first verse and only one verse out of Hebrews, even though the whole chapter is really cool. Um, but this ties in beautifully with where we're going this morning. Hebrews chapter 3, and this is what we're going to do this morning together as we look at Exodus 28, 29, and 31, is we're going to consider who? Jesus, because the volume of the book is about Jesus. And what does Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 tell us? Therefore, holy brethren, you can put cistern in there too. This is for all of us who are believers, partakers of the heavenly calling. So those are those who've put their faith in Jesus. It says, consider who? The apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And that's what we get to do this morning is consider Jesus our high priest as we get to look into the high priest that God had set up alongside Moses. His brother Aaron and his sons and what that looked like in pertaining to ministry around the tabernacle, the place of meeting, which we looked at last time together. So this morning, guys, we're going to look at Exodus 28 and consider the priesthood and their dream team design team. How many guys are a little artistic? You will be encouraged this morning in this passage of scripture. I think we're all going to be stirred up in a good way. But I want you guys to remember this whole section that we're in right now as we're studying through the Bible verse by verse. I want you guys to remember this is all about the worship of God here. Everything that God is putting into place comes around worshiping him. So, Um, We're going to look at the priesthood. We're going to look at their clothes, the ordination. Uh, We're also going to look at the design team there for the tabernacle. Simple outline, okay? We're going to have white collar and blue collar. White collar, the priests, get it? All right, good. (laughs) Blue collar, the manual work. That's what's laid out before us this morning. So let's take a look here. We'll look at the first four verses in chapter 28. It says, now, take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me. I want you guys to catch, when we minister, when we are serving others, it is unto Jesus. Even my preaching this morning, I am mindful that I'm actually ministering on to the Lord here. It's not about pleasing you guys. I love you guys, but my call as a teacher of God's word is to be faithful to minister his word in a way that pleases him. It's not about pleasing you. I love you. I will serve you. I will care for you. But my job here is not to tickle ears. (laughs) My job is to speak the truth of God's word. And in that, this is what they were called to do. As ministers, they're ministering to the Lord. And it says, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, and he may minister to me as a priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. Check that out. That was pretty cool. Huh? And none of you guys are dressed like that this morning come next week dressed like this I will not judge so they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons that he may minister to me as a priest so the priest garments here in chapter 28 did you guys catch the glory and beauty I feel like these are the bookends okay this is what they were for before we walk you know talk about the priesthood can I say a few words pertaining to beauty and to glory, okay, not making any graven images, okay, was not God's, you know, forbidding representational art, okay? That's not what that commandment means, but rather the worship of it, okay? God loves art. He's given us, he's created us to be creative. Do you guys understand that? Art's a beautiful thing. When we begin to worship our creation, That's when it becomes idolatry. That's the sin of it. So if God enjoys art, beauty, and creativity, and his word promotes art, beauty, and creativity, then man should celebrate appropriately art, beauty, and creativity. So God is the artist. His word is the brush. And the world really is his canvas. You guys are all familiar with Colossians uh, chapter 1. Verse 16, oops, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Go back, get that guy off the screen. All right, all right, I want to read Colossians 1.16. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, okay, visible and invisible. So all things, the red of a poinsettia plant, the greens of the rainforest. The blue eyes of a friend, the different clouds, the cool armor of the weevil bug. You guys see them on my hat, right? And also butterflies, just the colorful, the delicate, you know, designs that they have. So all things invisible, the things we know are the things, or there are, but we can't see with our eyes also, right? Think about wind and gravity. Those are pretty cool. Atoms, electrons, oxygen, and sound waves. So think about it, guys. I mean, if the world was flat, which it's not, it would be a very uninteresting world with the minimum of gray ingredients. But instead, we live in this very, you know, explosive, exciting world of diversity and beauty. And aren't you guys glad that God's made it that way? And we live in a fallen world. I mean, think about that. Things are fallen, and yet they are beautiful. So we're going to consider the priesthood this morning was both a privilege and also responsibility. Serious obligation here, and I want you guys to catch that as we go through. So they ministered first to the Lord. We saw that in verse 1, 3, 4, and also later in the chapter in verse 41. It said, serve me. That's the point that God wants to make. So they ministered to the people. They ministered together. They served the same Lord, and they obeyed the same word. So there's no competition or confusion in this holy uh, tabernacle. Uh, her- hereditary, I mean, you had to be part of Aaron's family, so you couldn't force your way in. You couldn't buy this ministry. Um I want to show you guys and explain now as we look at verse 5 and on. It's going to speak to the, the garments of the priest. So let's take a look here. They shall take gold, blue, purple, scarlet thread, and fine linen, and they shall make an ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen, artistically worked, and it shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges and so it shall be joined together an intricately woven band of the ephod which is on it shall be of the same workmanship made of gold blue purple and scarlet thread and fine woven linen and then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the sons of Israel six of their names on one stone and six names on the other stone in order of their birth. With the work of an engraver of the stone, like the engravings of an insignent, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel, and you shall set them in the setting of gold, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones, For the sons of Israel, so Israel or so Aaron shall also bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. You shall also make settings of gold, and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords, and fasten the braided chains to the settings. So I want you guys just to notice here that on the ephod, there are onyx stones here, okay, red and black. They're banded, striped, okay, um, ones on each shoulder. These are the 12 tribes of Israel, okay, six on each side. And the priests represented all the children of Israel by carrying their names on their shoulders in verse 12. Okay, so these priests carried that burden. The people's hope was in their priests to represent them, okay? They were the ones that were to go before the Lord on their behalf. Do we that, do that today? Do we still need priests in that way today? No, okay? And that's the beauty of this study this morning because we're considering Jesus, right? Our great high priest. And we'll get into that more as we carry on and study. But the word priest in the Latin is pontifex, which is literally means a bridge Builder. So that was the role of Aaron and his sons. They were to be this bridge between God and the people but not only on his shoulders, but also on his heart. I want you guys to catch that. Let's carry on, and I want you guys to catch verse 30 as we carry on uh, when we get to it. But we'll start here again in verse 15. You shall make the breastplate of judgment. Artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod, you shall make it. Of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, of fine woven linen, you shall make it. And it shall be doubled into a square, in a span, uh, shall be its length, and a span shall be its width, and you shall put settings of its stone in it. Four rows of stone. The first row shall be sardis, topaz, and emerald, and this shall be the first row, and the second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, Jacket and agate and amethyst, and the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper, and they shall be set in gold settings and the stones shall have names of the sons of Israel twelve according to their names like the engravings of the signet each one with its own name and they shall be according to the twelve tribes you shall make chains on the breastplate at the end like braided cords of pure gold and you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate and you shall put two rings on the two ends of the breastplate then you shall put two braided chains of gold and two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate, and the other two ends to the braided chains you have fastened to the two settings to put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. And you shall make two rings of gold and put on the two ends. Of the breastplate and the edge of it, which is on the inner side of the ephod, and the two other rings of gold, you shall make and put them on the two shoulders. Or sorry, straps underneath the ephod towards the front, right at the seam above the intrinsically woven band of the ephod, and they shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod using a blue so that it is above the intricately woven band of the ephod and so the breastplate does not loose from the ephod. So verse 29, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on their breastplate of judgment over his heart. And when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually, now catch verse 30, and you shall put the breastplate of judgment of the Urim in the Thummim, And they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. And you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it. And it shall be woven, binding all around its opening like the opening of a coat of mail, so it does not tear. And upon the hem, you shall make pomegranates. You guys remember at Christmas, we had this little runner in front of the pulpit here of pomegranates. That's a Jewish thing, big time. All right. So, verse 34 there should be a golden bell also. And of pomegranate, the golden bell, and the pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers. And its sound will be heard when it goes into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out, that he may not die. So still, guys, um, this is well known. Okay? Um. The coat of arms for Yale, even to this day. How many of you guys are familiar with Yale University? Okay. Um, it feels the color of blue. Okay. Heavenly realities, right? Uh, so the Yale blue with an open book. And you guys can see it here. Okay. And in this book are words that are in Hebrew, Yerim and Thumim. Is that pretty cool? Have you guys heard this before? okay? It's cool that it's there. It's inscribed in the Hebrew letters. And below the shield, they have Yale's official motto, which is Lux Ex Veritas, or literally it means light and truth. Okay? And I've taken some classes with some Yale professors, professors, and I wish they still stood in light and truth. They got a little crazy. Um, But it's cool because it's one of those things, guys, even here um, today, the Urim and Thummim are thought of. And a lot of Christians and believers have no idea. what What is this? What is it talking about? Why, why is this mentioned? And it's here. It's not yet described for us as we study this morning, but it will be later, okay? Um, it's going to be used to discern the will of God, and we'll see that in Numbers chapter 27 when we get there and also in First Samuel 28 but they seem to be like you know dice or casting lots they seem to be the Torah's response to the magic and divination that was commonly practiced in the ancient world now here it is perfectly clear only the leader could do so on behalf of the whole nation which ended all individual divination so the Torah guys is, really is evolutionary it is revol- or it's not revolutionary it's always developing not using a new system so we have something better right we have a great high priest and who is that jesus right so who helps us with our decisions i think that is so cool i had a decision this week and i really within praying specifically about it the lord brought four different confirmations within one hour like specific things out of my control i prayed Lord, what about this? He spoke very clearly. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. God's not a God of confusion. You guys know that? There's sometimes we pray for things, and there's things I've been praying about for years, and I'm still waiting on answers. (laughs) But I still trust the Lord, because he will speak in the right time. And this was a very timely thing. I think that's why he spoke so quickly. But... These guys here, the priests, they were to carry, uh, they carry it upon their shoulders. But we have Jesus, right? Okay, he carries us. His burden is light. Be yoked with me. Doesn't he say that my burden is light? Okay, and the cool thing is we're also in his heart. So the priest's ordination. Let's look at chapter twenty-nine now. It says, and this is what you shall do to them, to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull, two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened uh, wafers anointed with oil, and you shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in the basket, and you shall bring them in the basket with the bowl and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, and a robe and the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, and gird him with intricately woven band of the ephod. And you shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. And you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. You shall also have a bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. And then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall take some of the blood of the bull and you shall put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat of the coverings of the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys of the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. altar. But the flesh of the bull, with its skin and its offal, and you shall burn with fire outside the camp, it is a sin offering. Verse 15: You shall also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram, and you shall take the blood, and you shall sprinkle it all around the altar. And you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash the entrails and its legs, and put them in pieces, and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. And it is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma. An offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall also take other rams. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram and take some of the blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and put it on the tip of the right ear of his sons and on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle blood all around the altar. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it in Aaron and his uh, garments and the sons and their garments of his sons with him. And the garments shall be hallowed and his sons and his sons' garments with him. Also, you shall take the fat of the ram and the fat... Tail and the fat coverings, the entrails, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys, and the fat on them, and the right thigh, for it is a ram of consecration, of loaf of bread, and a cake made with oil, and one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And you shall put them all, these, in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of their sons, and you shall wave them as waving before the Lord. And you shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering, as a sweet aroma before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord and it shall be your portion and from the ram of the consecration you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering which is waved and the thigh of the heave offering which is raised and that which is for Aaron of which is for his sons it shall be for the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a st- or for a statute forever For it is a heave offering, and it shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel for the sacrifices of their peace offering. That is their heave offering. Now, I want you guys to catch verse 29. and Especially my brothers, fathers in the room, listen carefully to this. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed in them, to be consecrated in them. That son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days and enter the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. Now, brothers, I want you guys to listen and catch this carefully there are things that need to be passed down to our kids. That's the way God's ordained things to be. Okay? It is hard to look today at our culture because families are falling apart. There's many times where dad's not even in the picture in the lives of many kids today. That's a sad thing. God's ordained us to raise our children, train them in the admonition of the Lord. And there are things that we pass down. And the only things that really matter in this life, guys, is our character. We might work hard. We might work so much that we're absent from home because we want to leave them with a rich inheritance. But There's a lot more to life than the stuff of this life. The things that matter, again, are those eternal things. And godly character is an eternal thing. And I want to encourage you guys. As God called Aaron and anointed him for this work to be set apart. And his sons were to be set apart. Character is the most important thing in our lives, guys. And that's what we need to pass on to our kids. Are we men of integrity? Are we honest? Are we men who love the word of God? that love Jesus. Is that what our kids are gonna learn from us? Is that the thing that's gonna be passed on to them? It needs to be. I would love to see my boys in full-time ministry someday. I don't know if that's what the Lord's gonna call them to. But more than that, guys, whatever the Lord would call them to, I want them to be men of character. I want them to be men who love Jesus in his word, no matter what God calls them to in this life. That is what I want to pass on to them. Oh, there's things and hobbies I've enjoyed in life, and those things are good to teach our kids. But if that's mainly what they're learning from us, that we're passing along to them, we've missed the mark as followers of Jesus. The character of a godly man, And sisters, the character of a godly woman, these are the things that we get to pass on to our children. So I want to encourage you guys, you need to take that serious. Let them into your lives. Let them see how you love the Lord, how you serve the Lord, and do it with them. As for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a lot of things that you guys don't ever see Pastor Landon do. And there's a lot of things that you guys don't see Pastor Landon's family and sons and daughter do behind the scenes in serving the Lord. But that's what there's being taught. This life isn't always about the stuff we want. It's about what God asks. And as a family, this is what we do, guys. Do I do it perfectly? No. And I feel bad that some of those things are going to be handed down to my kids but I hope that they see my love for the Lord, that it so trumps all that other stuff that they can see. You know, yeah, Dad had his fault, but he was a man that loved God. And I want to be like my dad. So just a side note. I need more water. All right, let's finish up this chapter. Picking it up here in verse 31. And then it says, you shall take a ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. And then Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat those things which they anointed was made to consecrate it and to sanctify them. But on the outsider shall not eat them because they are not holy. And if any of your flesh of the consecration offerings or of the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire, if it shall not be eaten, because it is holy. And thus shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them. And you shall offer a bowl every day as a sin offering for an atonement. And you shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it. And you shall anoint it and sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs in the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and another you shall offer at twilight. And on... The lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of hin and pressed oil and one-fourth of hin of wine as drinking offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And you shall offer with it grain offerings and drink offerings as the morning for a sweet-smelling aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Where I will meet you and speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So. I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and I will consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and I will dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So we dedicate. And God will consecrate. We surrender, and he sanctifies. He sets us apart for his exclusive use. Do you guys see how this works? That's what we see here in this chapter. God asks, you give. You give this. And this is what I'm going to do with it. So as God's priesthood we, his people, have experienced spiritually what Aaron and his sons experienced physically. I want you guys to jot down with me Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. All glory to him, Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood for us, that he made us a kingdom of priests for God his father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. So guys, this is where it gets pretty cool. You guys know that you are a royal priesthood? Okay, Peter wrote that. God has communicated that to us clearly. We see it here in Revelation. Okay, priesthood of the saints. That's why I feel bad for my Catholic brothers and sisters. They think they have to have their priest to do this stuff for them between them and God. And God says, no, (laughs) you are a royal priesthood. Any one of you who is a believer, okay, you are a priest unto your God, okay? We have that access. We get to enter in. Pretty cool, right? But I want to consider this. How is this possible? How can that be, pastor? Consider with me. Have we been washed, right, by the blood of the Lamb? We have been washed. We've been cleansed. In the past, (laughs) it's gone. We've also been clothed, right? We stand in the very righteousness of Christ himself, and we wear the garments of God's grace. We have been anointed. We have the Holy Spirit just not anointed upon our heads he lives within us guys we've been anointed by god himself and he enables us to minister well i don't think i can serve i don't think i can do you say we're a royal priesthood i can't serve the lord in that way that's right you can't and if you can in your flesh it's going to look ugly (laughs) but god's given us the spirit And by his spirit, guys, he's going to enable us to minister. Also, we belong to God. The priests, they were marked. Did you guys catch that? They were to be marked with blood where? (laughs) On their earlobe? To hear God? Apply the blood. Hear God. How many guys, when you got saved, you applied the blood of Christ? You've been forgiven, you're a new creation. You could finally hear the word of God for the first time before it was confusing. And then you got saved and you're like, oh, this this is actually pretty simple. I I see. That's the spirit. And the word, we're told, is spirit and truth. Unless you're born again, you're not going to have spiritual eyes to be able to discern and see. That's a beautiful thing that happens. So they were told to put the blood on the ear, okay, also on the big thumb on their hand. Okay, to serve God. And also on the great toe, if you have the old King James, the big toe, apply the blood there to walk with God. Isn't that a really cool picture? So, brother and sister, royal priesthood this morning. If you want to serve the Lord well, you need to apply the blood. Amen? Amen. And then in verse 38 and 39, this continual burn offering morning and evening was a reminder of their really complete devotion to God. Do you wake up with your mind upon Jesus? Do you pray? Is that the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Do you talk to your heavenly father? Good morning, dad. Good morning, father. Thanks for loving me. I love you. I'm looking forward to how I might worship you today. Show me what that looks like. And then as you put your head on your pillow at night, are you in prayer again? Let me tell you if you just do those two things, your entire day will begin to look different. Start to do that practice, worship in the morning. How many of you guys do morning devotions? Yeah. Some of you guys are night owls. How many of you guys do evening devotions? Yeah. Guess what's even better? doing both right um don't forget daily to present yourselves a presentation of yourselves to god you can jot down romans 12 1. present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship it's our reasonable service guys to present our bodies how does that look what does that mean I think it looks a little different for everybody. We're seeing some things this morning that are clear. Pray about that. God, I, I want to do my reasonable part. I want I want to serve you rightly. I want to worship you well. Father in heaven, what does that mean for me? How does that look for me? For my family, my house? How do we serve you? What, what would you have? Just ask him. Seek him in that way. So Jesus, our high priest, instead of stones on his shoulders, he bore it all upon the cross for us, guys. He carried our names not on breast, on a breast piece, but really in his heart. He is a better sacrifice. So much better. If you don't know that read the book of hebrews this week it beautifully comes around this whole reality it'll speak a lot to the priesthood which we're considering this morning it will even speak to the tabernacle which we looked at last time and it will speak about why jesus is so much better than all that physical stuff okay he's a better sacrifice and it was his blood His blood, not the blood of animals. God's blood himself. So when the Father sees us, he sees us through the representative, okay? The Father accepted Jesus as the high priest. And you are just as accepted as Jesus if you are in him. You guys understand that God is our righteousness, We just read that in the prophet Jeremiah this last Thursday morning at men's study. Okay? He is our righteousness. We have standing not in our righteousness, which the Bible would also say through the prophets, is as filthy rags. That's the best we have. But if you're in Christ, his blood has cleansed you. Your righteousness is is Christ's righteousness. That's how the Father looks at us. Isn't that so cool? So we've been saved not by the strength of our faith, but by the object of our faith, which is Jesus. Do you guys know that Jesus saves? Some of you guys may think, well, I don't have the greatest faith. Okay? You need the faith of a mustard seed. As long as you have faith, even if it's a struggling faith, if you have faith in Jesus... Watch out. God is going to work. He's going to sanctify. He's going to do a work in your life. Why? Because Jesus is the Savior. He's the one at work. All we need to do is keep looking to him. I believe. I trust. And that's what's happening here this morning. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, even in Exodus chapter 28 and 29 where we're talking about robes and turbans. (laughs) Isn't it cool? All scripture we see here the importance of who God is and what he asks of us and how it is possible. So as we carry on, we're going to consider now, We looked at the white collar, the priesthood. We're going to turn to chapter 31 together, and we're going to look at the blue collar. This is going to be the design team. We're going to look at the first 11 verses, which talk about the work, and then he's going to bring up the importance of the Sabbath, or resting again in verses 12 to 17, and then some laws laid down in verse 18 and on. All right, let's take a look. All right. Exodus 31. It says Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I've called by name Bezalel and the son of Uri and the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I've filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic work, the work of gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for settings and carving wood, the work of manner of workmanship. And I indeed, uh, indeed I have appointed with him, Ahaleb, the son of Ameshach, Uh, the tribe of Dan, and I've put wisdom in their hearts, catch that, guys, all the gifted artisans, that they make all that I've commanded you. The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, uh, the pure gold and the lampstand with all the utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils and the laver at its base, and the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons, to minister as priests and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. So God calls the workers here. And then he equips the workers and gives the workers a plan for the task. I think it's really cool because if you look at Baziel and Olalib, uh, they're gifted artisans, we're told here, but they needed God's calling and enabling before they could do that work to please them. Okay, You may have gifts and able to do stuff, but something special happens when God calls you into what he has. Okay? So can you ask the same here, okay? In verse 2, Bezel here actually means his name, Catch it, You guys know that Hebrew's name, Hebrew names always have really cool meanings? And oftentimes when we're studying something, getting their names really brings to light some really cool things. His name means in the shadow or the protection of God. Think about that for a second. So this could really be showing us as an artist that we uh, we should see themselves as being workers in the shadow of God, okay? Because our art really should point to who? To God, which is exactly how the great composer Johann Sebastian Bach viewed his work. He said this, the aim and the final reason of all music should be none else But the glory of God in their recreation uh, of the mind. Recreation of the mind. Um, You guys know that he wrote over 200 manuscripts, okay? Um, You know, in every piece of work, music that he did, at the bottom he writes sole de gloria, which means to God alone be the glory. Every single one of them, okay? Also Hayden and Beethoven did the same thing this music this art it is for your glory god do we have that mind sent set so of course guys we live in this postmodern post-Christian era which is really steep to celebrate the ugly and the meaningless things of life in both music and art we have Ohalab um, his name means father is my tent okay so you were, <laughs> uh, you were made for this, okay? Another guy that we know of, okay, Eric L- uh, Little, um, he defended his uh, devotion to running by telling his sister, hey, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Okay? You guys ever see Chariots of Fire? Okay? That's his life story. Check it out. It's an older movie, but it's really cool. Uh, so when do you feel God's pleasure? When do you feel his pleasure? I feel it the most when I'm doing the things he's asking me to do. He's with me. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So when you look up into the heavens and say, hey, <laughs> I was made for this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So we tend to think of someone being filled with the spirit of God as a prophet or perhaps a leader in battle, maybe Elijah or Gideon, Isaiah, Moses. You know, I bet when Moses, oh, we're not going there yet. Um, I bet when Moses heard that he would not uh, be doing the actual building of the tabernacle, do you guys think he was relieved? What do we know about Moses? Okay, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. Okay, he was later a shepherd. He probably didn't know a whole lot about construction. So, hey, I don't have to build the house. Woohoo! Thank you. But guess what? God has some. Gifted construction artisans that are going to be able to do this work. So if the tabernacle were going to be built, it would require more than what Moses could give. It would require the people and the skills that Moses didn't have or possess in order to happen. So, here is a construction superintendent who is being chosen to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Bezael, okay, Spirit-anointed contractor, and also Spirit-empowered craftsman. So the Lord has more than just preaching on a list of things that need to get done. Guys, there are tabernacles that need to be built, not just talked about. He calls... You know, spirits, a wide range craftsman and craftswoman to transform projects from word to wood, from the ears to the hands, from instruction to construction. So there's a tendency that we have, a secular view that we have when it comes to skills that these skills might be those skills, you know, hey, hey, I can do this. I've learned that. But as believers, we need to look biblically and say, hey, these skills are actually a grace. This is a grace from God. So the work of God is accomplished by the spirit of God. Amen. Um, So we all have gifts, talents, and abilities. But will you use them to build a tabernacle or a golden calf? I believe what we have here is natural given gifts, but the Holy Spirit, He steps in here and He sanctifies it, gives the wisdom and the insight on how these things are to be done. Christianity and creativity. I'd love to see the church redeem those things, lead in those things, be the influence in those things. There are miraculous gifts that God does give people, but as we've been created in the image of God, he gives each talents and abilities. But with those talents and abilities, we must allow the Holy Spirit in and sanctify those things and strengthen them and amplify them. Bazil here was already a craftsman, he invented, you know, maybe the original um, what are you, Lincoln Logs. How many of you guys had Lincoln Logs when you were kids? I'm sure he had Legos, okay? Maybe he was, you know, cr- you know, playing Minecraft and building crazy things. I don't know, okay? But he was already creative, but he needed the Spirit of God to accomplish the work of God. And we must love the Holy Spirit and rely upon the Holy Spirit's work. We must not be professional Christians Or just go through the motions or the mechanics and think life change will happen. No way. (laughs) We have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. You know, so many people are into Christian disciplines, okay? And those disciplines and habits can be a good thing. But let me tell you what. They're not going to see you through. They're not enough. We need the Holy Spirit For you to love and serve well, you need the Holy Spirit, okay? You can love your wife well, but let me tell you what, when you're surrendered to the Spirit of God, it's a game changer, okay? I tried so hard, and I couldn't. But when you're in the Spirit, loving the Lord and yielded to Him, you're going to take your love for your family to a whole nother level. You're going to take your service to a whole nother level. You're going to do things that you couldn't do. It's only God through you. So, notice the filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not sensational. Okay, it's sowing, it's building, it's fixing things, it's figuring out problems. Okay, uh, some gifts are sensational, but others are just service. Do you guys understand that? Okay, there, you know, acts of mercy. There's helping. There's hospitality. There's administration. There's just things that need to be done that God wants to come into those things, okay? And some of you have been gifted and anointed for those things, okay? Over the years, okay, some of our our little church here, okay, we, we try to be a good steward of what God's given us. But there's just little things that have been done. Like my mom, I think, is one of those artisans. She she comes to me every once in a while with an idea, and it's just really cool because God kind of gives her a picture of what something should look like, and then she enters in and she just does it. And I think that's what happens with these artisans. It's just like, hey, this is how it's to look. This is how, like, look back in the corner there. You know, it's just like, oh, we have blinds, you know, keeping the sun from coming in. And we got three little crosses that just kind of appear there. That's kind of cool. I would never think of doing that. (laughs) But that's something, you know, when the spirit of God just works and shows you something, it's just like, hey, that's cool. Maybe this is what God is wanting, and we step in and do it. I want to encourage you guys, be open to how that looks. You guys recall in the New Testament, I love the book of Acts because we see the Spirit of God working through believers, the early church. And we're told there in Acts chapter 6 that God said, hey, I want you to pick out men who are what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just guys who can do. No, I want you to find the guys who are filled with the Holy Spirit to do what? Serve the widows. That's what I'm looking for. And that's what God is looking for this morning. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, who are those who are full of the Holy Spirit? Those who are yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's it. Because if we're doing our thing, (laughs) our projects, sorry, God, I got my talents, and I'm using my talents for my things, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You are not surrendered. You are not yielded. That's what you're doing. Could you be one of those who are yielded to the spirit? Absolutely. Well, how does that happen? You forsake the flesh. It's not about me and my kingdom. It's about you, God, and your kingdom. All I have, even if it's not much, take. Years back when we still had our wall over here, that used to be the sanctuary. You guys see the pillars here? Okay, there was a big wall there. That was our little sanctuary over there, but we blew all of this out. Had a brother after a Sunday preaching God's word. He came up to me. He was like, Pastor, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to teach God's word. I don't think I'm called to that. But I got these hands. Whatever God would have me to do, however I can serve, just let me know I'm willing to work and use my hands and that's so blessed my heart sometimes we always think we got to be that type of Christian with those type of gifts before the Lord can use us for anything those are lies from Satan we are the body of Christ God's just looking for those who are willing are you willing so sometimes you will ask yourself, was, this, was it the spirit or was it me? Right? If you're a Christian, guys, he's doing more than you think. Can I tell you that? God's doing more in your life than you think. That's just true. Sometimes we don't recognize it, but he's doing more. You don't know. You know, kind of like my conversation with Larry, we don't know the interactions we've had with people in the past. We have no idea how that might have impacted them, changed their life, how it served them. Make much of Jesus in your life. The Spirit prompts you just do, just serve something. Older gentleman coming out of a grocery store. Hey, can I help help you get your groceries in your car for you? I got some hands I can serve. I can do that. Or you see the widow in the grocery line. Hey, can I buy your groceries for you? Why would you do that? Not because, hey, that will make me feel good and this is what pastor said I should do. No, it's because the spirit just prompted you and said, hey, I want you to come alongside this person right now and serve them. It doesn't mean you have to sit down and share the entire gospel with them right on the spot. Sometimes it's just handing them that cold cup of water in the name of Jesus. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, no problem. God loves you. Have a good day. As simple as that. But the point is, whatever the Spirit's prompting you to do, just do it. And Make much of Jesus because he is up to much. So, someone filled with the Spirit will gladly serve widows. They will visit the sick. They're gonna care for the orphans. They will gladly make some really good coffee for us here at church on Sunday mornings. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a nursery that people would go and actually serve little bitty kids as family comes in? It's been a while since we've had nursery. Teaching our kids. Hey, I'm in, kids church. Let's just do it. Let's serve. Maybe there's somebody you know. Maybe there's a disadvantaged student. They need some help, some tutoring. Are you willing to make some time and come alongside them to help? Okay? Just giving offering to those in needs. As the Lord leads, you just do. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God and the mission of God. Right? It's pretty much it. This is how I glorify God. He's asking, so I'll do it. That glorifies him, right? Faith, obedience, those are the things that glorify him. And also the mission of God. What is God up to? What is he asking of us? Because we can pour so much of our talent and stuff into things of this life. You know, great. The Bible says it's all going to (laughs) burn. Look what I built. (laughs) It's going to burn. But God cares about people the eternal things. So let's wrap this up this morning. He looks now to uh, the Sabbath, us resting in verse 12 and on. He says, when you take a census of the children of Israel for their number, then every uh, man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. And when you number them, there'll be no plague among them when you number them. And this is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, half a shekel according to the shekel of sanctuary, a shekel is 20 uh, geras, and a half a shekel of the offering of the Lord. And everyone included among those are nu- or oh, Sorry, that's chapter 30. Yeah. What Bible does pastor have? All right. <laughs> Sorry. Chapter 31. It wasn't making sense in my head either. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, hey, speak to the children of Israel saying, surely my uh, Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you and you shall keep the Sabbath Therefore, for it is a holy it's holy to you, everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. And whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among you. Work shall be done for six days, but on the seventh it is a Sabbath rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any of the work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Do you guys think we'd take the Sabbath a little more seriously if we'd had this death Penalty in place? Yeah. Uh, anyways, verse 16. Therefore the children of Israel uh, shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout all generations of the perpetual covenant. And it shall be a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So why does God mention the Sabbath here again, okay? We walk through each one of the Ten Commandments, the big ten, okay? And the Ten Commandments are for all people for all times, okay? They are different than the law of Moses, okay? So the Sabbath is something that God wants. You shall work six days. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Saturday or a Sunday, but we are to give ourselves a day or a week to rest, That goes against what we've grown up with, what our culture pushes upon us, okay? But it's what God asks of us, and it is needed, and he brings it up again here. So maybe he reminds his people that even the building of the sacred tabernacle, even in light of ministry and getting these things done, and this is where I've been guilty over the years, and I've shared this with you guys, there's always something to do, there's more work to be done. And it is sinful just to keep doing it. No, you need to rest. That is a biblical thing. Even if it's hard, you need to make that happen. Okay, some of you guys are asking why I'm taking a sabbatical. I need to make that happen. Okay, it's something God's asking. You need to be obedient. And this here again, God is breaking. You know, bringing this up. You know, even in ministry, we need to take a break. Okay. Breaking the Sabbath law here. So God wants us to be balanced. He wants us to be balanced with our work, with our rest, with our worship. Balance, balance, balance. Very important. Okay, now let's wrap up this chapter, picking it up now in verse 18. And when he made an end in speaking with them on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So, here we see the law. It is given, and it is written with what? The finger of God. Pretty cool, right? Um, He wrote the word of God in stone with his own finger. So he now writes it where? Upon our hearts. Isn't that pretty cool? And for those who trust Christ and worship him, Okay. There's one last passage of scripture I want to look at with you guys. You can jot down 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Again, you guys know I like Apostle Paul a lot. He's kind of my hero. Um, in this passage, he talks about not needing any letters of uh, recommendation for Uh, his authority as an apostle, his uh, legitimacy to be an apostle. Because he writes here, and I I so love this, it says, you yourselves are a letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. Do you guys know that people are watching us? Okay? The world's reading us as Christians. And he says in verse 3, I love this, And you show that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So my closing question this morning, guys, is has he written on your hearts? And if you're unsure, seek him. Press in, be praying, okay? Be diligent in seeking him on that. What have you written upon my heart? He's given us his law, but he's also asked us things. He's given us a part to play. What is our part? What does he want to do with our gifts? And he'll take those gifts and go beyond what we're able to do with them. But what is he asking of us to step into? And that's where it gets exciting. Okay? Do you guys believe God wants to do big things? Do you really believe that? I do. I do. Because he's a big God. Okay? And there's a lot of times that we can pray for revival. We can ask God, do it again. Now, God could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I would love to see... Our family, our neighbors, the people we work with, our community. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a revival that really took place where people really were broken before the Lord, broken over their sin, that people truly would begin to turn to the living God? It would be beautiful. And God could do that at any point. But his means, and as you study through the scriptures, God uses the local church for his purposes. Do you guys know this? Okay. God has ordained the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And part of that work is going and making disciples. God is into discipleship. There should be people in our lives that we are pouring into, that we are teaching. Okay. We all should be in that place if you're not in that place you need to be being discipled that you're able to do that with others you're either discipling or being discipled and if you're doing well you're being both at the same time right but for true revival to take place I believe in part for the church what God wants to use there has to be true sacrifice do you guys understand what I'm saying Is there a willingness within the body of Christ to actually sacrifice our kingdoms and our comforts, what we think church should look like and be about, or are we actually open to say, hey, Lord, use me. I might not even have much in the way of gift, giftings, but the little bit I have, take my hands, whatever you want, Lord. I'll serve, I'll do. I think that's what God's looking for, is just a willingness. Am I willing to serve? I'm willing to be in. God can use that. And when we're willing to be that living sacrifice, watch out what God's going to do. Father in heaven, thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who has written these things upon our hearts. God, we believe what your word has taught us and has spoken to us as being priests unto you, that you have called us into your service. As a believer, we don't really have a choice. God, we've been given a ministry. We've been called into your service. God, and we want to be faithful with that. No matter how big or how small the task We want to obey. We want to be faithful. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to do those things. So we're all asking of you this morning, Father, that by your grace that you would establish us. God, if this message this morning was challenging for any of us, Lord, that we would actually press into that and allow you to work in our hearts to change our hearts and our thinking in regards to these things. God, we're given one life, and we don't want to waste it. So all we can do is just surrender and say and ask, beg of you, and and pray. Lord, let your will be done. Lord, in our lives, whatever you want. God, we are here for you, for your glory, for your purposes. We want to live a life that is just a beautiful, uh, just worship, a beautiful, sweet-smelling aroma unto you. God, so please, Lord, have your way. God, let your purposes be done, your plans in and through us. And as a church family, help us to encourage one another to do so. Help us to be praying for one another that we would enter into all that you have. God, we pray for this community right now. God, it would be a great time right now for your spirit to pour out. Lord, for people to turn to you to be saved. We know you could do that at any time. God, and you've asked us to go share this good news. People need to hear about you. So, Lord, help us to be about your mission, what you're asking. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much just for the insight here, just as we consider the priesthood and their garb and (laughs) uh, the things that you... Uh, gifted people to do. That hasn't changed today. These were just normal people who were called by you. God, we're just normal people that were enslaved just like they were, but you set them free, and you set them free for purposes. So please, God, help us to be about your business. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Oh. Let's partake of communion together. That was supposed to be halfway through. So, Father, we do want to thank you, God, uh, just as we consider you, Jesus, our great high priest. Thank you that you are good. Thank you for your life. Thank you for the blood that you shed. Thank you that we can apply that blood to our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's partake together. One last thought real quick. I wanted to share this with you guys. I thought about last night at our brothers and sisters group. We are having some conversation about maybe doing a trip to Israel again. Okay, so we've been talking about the tabernacle and the priesthood. And there are certain oils and fragrances that they were to use in the tabernacle. And this was very cool. This is something when you take a tour over there, most tours never stop at this place, Okay. Uh, this is called the Balm of Gilead. And this guy, I think his name might have been Guy. Do you remember, Liz? Okay. It might have been Guy. Guy might have been Guy. But this guy, he made some tea. We showed up, and he made tea for us, okay? No one in the world has had this tea except those who have come here. But he's growing. This is just outside of the Dead Sea. You see all around there? Nothing grows there, Okay. But he's got a plot of land of anchorage, and he's growing plants that haven't grown in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And he's actually growing things that are specifically needed for the oils, specifically for the temple. Okay? The temple institute was they are planning. Everything's in place to rebuild the third temple. It's ready to go. And this is the guy that God has ordained to grow these. Different things that are needed that the temple can be anointed. These plants haven't been around for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, they had old seeds. They found old seeds and they've been able to regrow this stuff. So it's kind of exciting. It's just like God uses man gifted. This wasn't his thing, but he got into it because God called him and showed him how to grow these things where nothing else wants to grow in Israel because it's right next to the Dead Sea. It's all salt. It's hard. How does that happen? And here, it's, I believe, a light really to Israel and to the world of just like, yep, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) Get ready. So I just want to share that with you, okay? What is God asking you to do? It might be something like this. That doesn't make sense. Why, God? There's a purpose in what God asks us to do, whether big or small, just be faithful. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening in today to Freedom Fellowship. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. If so, would you please take a minute, like us, subscribe, and leave a review. This is a free way we can reach others with his word. You can watch video teachings of sermons on our website, Come cometofreedom.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.